Hello, everyone, and welcome to Six Pack of Facts, a weekly way of expanding your brain, six refreshing facts at a time. My name is Alex, and this week, we're entering the Condiment Thunderdome. It's a red and yellow showdown. It's time for ketchup and mustard. Ketchup wasn't always the tomato-based juggernaut we now know. In fact, tomatoes had quite the reputation back in the day. Even though tomatoes were brought to England from South America in the 1500s, they were rarely eaten for hundreds of years thanks to a belief that they were poisonous. Of course, now we know it wasn't actually the tomatoes killing folks. It was their plates. The English regularly ate off lead pewter plates, and when the acids in tomatoes leached some of that lead into the food, it wasn't a good scene. Pre-tomato ketchup can be traced back as far as 2,300 years ago in China. Fermented pastes made from fish guts, meat byproducts, and soybeans were all the rage, and, as an added bonus, they were easy to maintain on long ocean journeys. That iteration spread to Indonesia and the Philippines, where British traders developed a taste for the paste. From there, ketchup's based around oysters, mussels, mushrooms, walnuts, celery, plums, and peaches took hold. The ingredients were typically boiled down into a syrup and left to sit with salt for a long time, producing a pungent, spicy sauce that could hang around for a while before going bad. But then, in 1812, the tomato breakthrough occurred. James Meese, a scientist in Philadelphia, is commonly credited with crafting the first tomato-based ketchup, writing that the best ketchups came from what he called love apples. But it wasn't until a doctor popularized the tomato itself that ketchup fever truly took hold. Dr. John Cook Bennett positioned tomatoes as a miracle drug. Bennett didn't really have much medical evidence to go on, but nonetheless, flocks of Americans were caught up in the tomato craze, going on dubious claims of cure-all and scooping up tons of tomato extract pills. Tomatoes, of course, are not cure-alls, and it's not even known how many of the so-called tomato extract pills contained any tomato at all. But, by touting the claims, Bennett successfully gave tomatoes a place in the American diet, paving the way for giants like Heinz to sell boatloads of their famous Heinz 57 ketchup. Struggling to get ketchup out of its bottle is almost a rite of passage at this point, but what exactly makes the stuff so hard to pour? Let's start with viscosity. Viscosity is the resistance of a fluid to flowing. The lower the viscosity, the easier it is for a fluid to flow. Temperature and pressure affect the viscosity of a fluid. Normally, a fluid has a lower viscosity when it's heated and a higher viscosity when it's cooled. These are called Newtonian fluids. At a given temperature, a Newtonian fluid's viscosity stays the same regardless of how much pressure is applied. Ketchup, however, is a non-Newtonian fluid. The viscosity of non-Newtonian fluids change depending on the force being applied to them, both in terms of magnitude, how hard the force is, and duration, how long the force is applied. Despite how it appears, ketchup isn't a perfectly smooth fluid. Instead, it's made up of tiny tomato bits that, absent any outside force, cling to each other and make it tough to pour. Turn a ketchup bottle upside down, and all the tomato bits stuck together make the condiment sit tight. After a few whacks on the bottle, however, those tomato bits will shift. This creates space for them to move, and, with enough force, 
aka smacks, you'll have a ketchup flood pouring out onto your fries in no time. From red to yellow, it's time to leave the tomatoes behind and focus on ketchup's spicier counterpart, mustard. Mustard has always held a special place in our hearts. Egyptian pharaohs stockpiled mustard seeds in their tombs so they could take them with to the afterlife, but it wasn't until Romans got their hands on the seeds that it took a semi-familiar form. The Romans ground up the seeds into a paste and then mixed it with various liquids, typically vinegar or unfermented grape juice, also known as must. In fact, the condiment's name is derived from the Latin mustum ardens, meaning burning or hot must. So where does the burning of that must come from? If you swallow a handful of mustard seeds, you won't feel any of the heat. Chomp down, however, and those seeds will mix with your saliva, creating a chemical reaction that leads to the spice. The reaction releases an enzyme called myrosinase that converts glucosinolates, organic compounds that contain sulfur and nitrogen, into isocyothionates, aka mustard oil. Your mustard will have different levels of heat depending on the concentration of the mustard oil in the seeds. As a general rule of thumb, the darker the mustard seed, the spicier it will be. In its natural state, mustard is a dull brown, a far cry from the bright yellow color we've come to associate with classic American mustard. We have two guys in particular to thank for that appealing... question mark? Color. Brothers George and Francis French. At the 1904 World's Fair in Chicago, the R.T. French Company debuted a new condiment dubbed Cream Salad Mustard. To capture the attention of passing fairgoers, the brothers added turmeric to the spread, turning it a brilliant yellow. Even better, they decided to premiere the yellow favorite alongside a dish that was relatively new to Americans at the time, the hot dog. The rest is mustard history. There it is, the fishy origins of ketchup and the hot mustiness of mustard. No matter what kind of condiment you prefer, I hope you've enjoyed listening. Until next week, as always, stay thirsty. Can't get enough of these refreshing facts? There are three easy ways you can help support the show. If you're listening through Apple Podcasts, leave a quick review. Then, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Then, share the show with a friend. The more, the factier. Stay thirsty.